Looking to step up your self-care game? Best Buds makes a great addition to your routine. Best Buds is a premier manufacturer of federally compliant cannabis products. Their products include bud, CBD, oils, gummies, lotions, edibles, vape, pre-rolls, you name it. I love these products. If you live in Charleston, they will even bring them to your door. I have ordered stuff at like noon and there they are like two hours later. I love the gummies. My, my typical routine is this. I do an oil in the morning and I do a, a gummy at night. If I want a little more oomph, I'll go with one of the Delta 8 gummies. If I just kind of mellowing out one of the CBDs, the topicals are great for pulled muscles, especially if you're starting back up with a workout routine. Those topicals are amazing. And there's a beard oil that, uh, that smells really great. I don't have a beard, but I've smelled it. It's a great product. And you can go to bestbudsbff.com and use promo code YOGI10, Y-O-G-I-10, and get 10% off your purchase. Let's mellow it out this year, y'all. Hello there, friends. Long time no talk to. Jay Stephen Willard, back at it. Uh, it's been it's been a minute. It's been, gosh, I guess about six, six weeks or so since I've done a podcast for a lot of reasons. Um, one, my own life has been a bit of a dumpster fire lately. Not a dumpster fire, just a lot of stuff. I am not a person that does well with change unless I initiate said change. And I've had a lot of changes in my life over the last year. And so, you know, honestly, the weight just got to me and I just did not feel like doing much. I've done bare minimum and I'm, I feel like I'm just kind of coming out of this uh, this hole. And just in time for for the apocalypse. Um, I don't know why I'm laughing because the apocalypse isn't funny at all. It's interesting. Last night was the uh, was the Grammy Awards, which I'm not really much of an award show watcher anymore. Though I did watch the Oscars, and um, the president of Ukraine was on the Grammys, and it was very interesting to to see that, and um, and also that we're just watching this war play out. Uh, in real time and be televised. I was having this conversation with a friend recently that you know I was born <laughs> towards the end of the Vietnam War, so I did not <laughs> experience the Vietnam War. But I know from you know uh, school and from history that that was the first war where on the evening news you would see bodies and bags coming home, and and that is one of the things that sort of spurred activism uh, about the war. And this is the first time we're seeing images of bodies in streets, of you know children and old people. And it's heartbreaking and it's terrifying and it's, uh, it's just a lot. And, and so sometimes, you know, the idea of, of doing something that can be, I don't know, maybe as shallow as this podcast, <laughs> Though I tried to go deep, um, just didn't feel, it felt kind of icky, honestly. But then at the same time, you know, life, life goes on, right? We, you know, we, we still eat dinner. We still go to the gym. We still take showers. We still take care of ourselves. So here we are. 
And uh, I have a returning champ this week. Dr. Andy Hutchinson is returning to talk about how you take care of yourself in times like this when everything just feels uh, like you can't get over it. So there's a nice talk with him. And then I'm going to tack on a meditation technique at the end. Uh, called a, uh, it's a technique called RAIN. And it's basically, it's an idea of where you're sitting with the feelings. You're sitting with your discomfort uh, versus trying to squash them or run away from it. So that'll be at the end of the episode. And I'll also make that technique available uh, as a separate uh, episode too, should you want to uh, do that. And I think that just because it's been so long, um, no, we'll, we'll call it season three. Fuck it. Nothing matters anymore. There are no rules. But I hope you will enjoy this conversation with Dr. Andy Hutchinson and that you'll take a little time to do the rain meditation. And next week has a very fun episode. I can't wait for you to hear that one. Until then, take care, friends. I need to lean forward a little bit. All right, friends. We have returning champion. (laughs) <laughs> Dr. Andy today, who I feel very fortunate to have been able to get after his national appearance on the PBS NewsHour. <laughs> Say hi, Dr. Andy. Hi, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Let's talk about the PBS thing first, though, because let's go shallow before we go deep. Okay. <laughs> How'd that come about? So it came about, actually, I was uh, doom scrolling on Facebook <laughs> and uh, deciding to feel more depressed than I usually do. And uh, PBS was offering up a survey, and I thought, well, I've got nothing better to do. So I filled out a survey on, de- on depression and uh, on the pandemic. And uh, they gave me a call and asked if I'd be willing to do an on-camera interview with them. That's awesome. And it was, uh, if you're interested in seeing it, I believe you can still see it on YouTube. It was the episode that aired the 15th, I, I believe think, it was March 15th. I believe it was March 15th, and it starts at 42 minutes, I think, into the episode. It so does. If you, you want to find it. <laughs> It does. All right. Well, you kind of already have taken us where I want to start. Doom scrolling. Mm -hmm. All right. You and I were talking just moments ago. It's we've seemingly made it through a pandemic for the most part. Mm -hmm. You and I have, at least. Mm -hmm. We're still here. Only to come out on the verge of World War III. (laughs) Impossible Armageddon. (laughs) So... What's the point? <laughs> this is where I'm, I'm finding myself most. Of, I, listen, I have always been, I was always an anxious kid. I grew up in the era, you know, of the Cold War and uh, drills in the hall. And, and there was, I remember there was a TV movie, I think like 80, 81 or something called The Day After. Mm-hmm. That's uh, about like a Midwest town in the aftermath of a nuclear attack scarred me for life <laughs> i also grew up in a you know southern baptist hellfire brimstone <laughs> ideology so this shit triggers the fuck out of me mm-hmm. and so i'm ha- and you spoke a little bit about this in your your appearance on uh, pbs i'm having a hard time motivating myself to do anything to take care of myself to plan anything because i'm like what's the fucking point you too? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I have no qualms. In, I, you know, we're, we don't have, we're not the 
haven't gone through the most difficult things of any generation, but, but it's been difficult. You know, when you think about it, you know, we've gone through a challenge to American democracy mm-hmm. um, as if that wasn't enough. And then we've gone through a pandemic um, and, and now we're, we're dealing with this war in Ukraine and potentially, you know, sort of the World War Three situation. And yeah, it's overwhelming. I mean, this is a real shit show. Right. And everybody, I think, is feeling the weight of this in the environment. It's sort of in the ether of the atmosphere. I think everybody is struggling. And so, so what do we do? So what do we do? <laughs> so what do, what do we do? Uh, um, yeah, I wish I had the magic trick for that. You know, I think, um, I think there are things that can help us do better. Uh, but I think, you know, I think li- living through this time is just going to be hard, no matter mm-hmm. no matter what. You know, there's mindfulness. There's things I have done. I've hired a personal trainer. I've I've uh, reengaged with a therapist. I've reengaged mm-hmm. with my own psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, you know, the cost of maintaining me has gone up tremendously. <laughs> um, um, and everybody should do that. I've reached out to friends that I hadn't talked to about my own struggles. Mm-hmm. And I think in sharing that and having a community of people that you can rely on that rely on you and sharing those feelings can be helpful for sure i mean it's one thing to feel alone in this struggle and Mm -hmm. what's happening in the world it's another thing to bond and understand that you're not alone and that other people are also struggling Mm -hmm. do you think we're still living in this environment like i think back to like 2019 which now seems like so long ago and like a lifetime ago of you know scrolling through social media and just you know the whole influencer culture of where you know at that point you were just kind of comparing like oh i'm not as fit as this person i don't take these great trips blah 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 do you think that um do you think anyone's really handling this particularly well because i definitely think that the the social media thing has changed a bit like there's a lot less look how fabulous look at this fabulous acai bowl (laughs) So, so I, I do think that there are some people that are handling as well. I know, and I know some of them. Some of them are my, my good friends. And those people tend to, to not watch much TV, not mm-hmm. watch the news, not follow social media. Um, and uh, they tend to need not to know. Mm. And people who tend to need not to know Ignorance seem right now, yeah, seem to be doing better right now. And but is that wise? Wisdom and happiness are two different things, right? Oh, shit. So I think, so I think, you know, being wise and happy are two different things. We can be highly informed and I'm someone who feels like they need to be informed, but I don't know that that contributes highly to my happiness mm. or I can be happy and maybe not fully informed. Maybe there are times where it's important maybe not to be fully informed, just Ooh. to be able to do well in your life. Oh shit. That just blew my mind because yes, I feel like if I'm not watching the news like three hours a day or constantly checking my phone that I'm not that I'm not up to date, that I don't know what's going on. But like you said, every time I check it, though, it's like I go into di- disaster baiting mode. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's a shallow informed nowadays. Mm. You know, maybe like before this whole democracy question and and all these things have happened, there was like there was room to to be deep and pay deep attention to the world and and be connected to the stories because they just weren't so well catastrophic, I guess. Mm. And maybe now it's healthier to be a little more disconnected from the news and from the stories of the world. Ooh. That's a hard habit to break, though. 
Well, it's a hard addiction, right? It's it like really is. The mind really wants to pay attention to the most dangerous thing in the room or the most dangerous thing in the world, and so we end up staring at you know at the news, and and it's it's you know it's been interesting over the last several years. All news is now breaking news, right? All news is <laughs> yes. breaking news. Yes. Um, and we can't look away. It's really hard. It's been hard for Tracy and I. Also, we we end up you know watching watching the news as well and getting caught staring at it and like, what am I going to miss today? If I right. Take a look at right. the news. Well, I, you know, I, I think we talked about this last time that I had, uh, you know, during the, um, I don't know, last year, well, definitely through 2020, uh, during a He Who Shall Not Be Named administration, I could not turn off, like, I would just have CNN on, like, all day long. And um, then, you know, with that kind of calmed down, I went to, like, okay, now I'm just going to watch the news at 6.30, like an old man. <laughs> The standard, the standard news, they're like the regular, like ABC, CBS, the actual yeah, 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 news, the actual news, not yeah. opinions. Yeah, yeah, and and it was so, it was so nice for yeah. like seven mm-hmm. or eight months, and mm-hmm. now I'm like back to that. Yeah, if I don't have the news on, blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about self care, self love, however you want to phrase this, during this time of where uh, you know a lot of my work is based on me posting silly shit on Instagram and and it feels a little untoward to still be doing it like you know to put my face on a real housewife of insert city here to promote a yoga class feels a little gross when there's you know all of this that we've mentioned going on Um, is it okay to still like you know, have a good time to go out to dinner. To yeah, I mean, don't you think so? Don't you think is what? Do you, I mean, don't you think that that's probably the healthy response to this? Is is maybe to, to to be silly and to get involved in the world and to go out and be social. Well, I especially now that the pandemic is is sort of taking right. Out. Like it kind of feels like we're all kind of been let out of cages. I uh, I found something earlier that I wanted to share with you. I hope I saved it. Um, on Instagram of all things because I also have not been able to break that habit uh, so I don't, I'm not familiar with the, the person who said this but their name is uh, Mari Andre uh, I am washing my face before bed while a country is on fire it feels dumb to wash my face and dumb not to it has never been this way and it has always been this way someone has always clinked a cocktail glass in one hemisphere as someone loses a home in another while someone falls in love in the same apartment building where someone grieves. The fact that suffering, mundanity, and beauty coincide is unbearable and remarkable. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mari Andre. Um, But I guess that's what life is, right? Like life is going, babies are being born as someone else is dying. Yeah, we have to go on. I mean, Ah, the choice. How do we? (laughs) I think, I think in part by not, maybe by not living our lives fully, also, you know, we're not paying tribute to the lives that are suffering and being lost in other oh, places. Wow. You know, like, maybe by carrying so much of that suffering and, and shutting down our own lives in way that ways we're not honoring people who are suffering even greater Ooh. losses. So maybe it's our duty to even engage more in life. Mm. Maybe that's part of our responsibility. Oh, maybe so. All right, so I, like I said, I, I am a, a chronic disaster baiter. <laughs> mm-hmm. How, 
what are some ways to break that habit? Drinking. Is it a habit? Uh, or is it a... <laughs> and I agree. Um, <laughs> is it a habit or is it... Yeah, it's an addiction. Mm. I mean, it's a thought It's a thought addiction. And so, mm. you know, the mind is really good at picking out bad shit and paying attention to it. Uh, it's sort of served us well evolutionarily. You know, mm. we would pick out the scary shit and we'd pay attention to it. So we'd survive. Don't run towards the dinosaur. Right. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't run toward the, toward the tiger. And we'd survive. And... Uh, that doesn't really serve us so well anymore, but, but it's an addiction. So, you know, the, the brain hasn't evolved as quickly as society has. So maybe that, you know, that the things that we're encountering right now in our world are, at least where we live in the United States, aren't necessarily existentially threatening at the moment, but they feel existentially threatening. Right. And so it's the mind sort of playing tricks on us, but not letting us look away. You have to watch the car accident. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I think that's part of the problem is that, you know, I, I know... I can't remember what context it was referred to, but, you know, how they would say uh, during the uh, Vietnam War, for example, that um, it was the first time Americans saw body bags mm -hmm. coming back. So it made the, more, the war more like, oh, this is actually happening. And, and you know, then spurred people into protesting, etc. This time, I mean, we're watching... Like we see videos of bombs hitting apartment buildings and of dead families and I guess it's that thing like how do you like I think it's important to know that that is going on but if you're like a tender-hearted person <laughs> like how do you process that how do you process that I fucking I, I know, know. <laughs> um, you know I think uh, it's uh it's sort of PTSD, right? So yeah. even, even the definition of PTSD has changed over the years in, mm. in the DSM-5 uh, is that you can hear about someone's death or uh, you know, hear, hear a story about someone's death and that can count as a trigger for PTSD. So here we are watching our TVs, watching people die, sometimes live. Yeah. Right, repeated yeah. over and over again. Right. I mean, are we setting ourselves up for sort of mass PTSD as a society? I mean, probably. Yeah, and there are people who can survive that and do better in that society than others. There are those of us who are highly sensitive, and those of us who aren't. And so, two people, for example, not everybody who went to Vietnam developed PTSD. So, mm. two guys could have witnessed mm -hmm. the same thing. One comes back, one comes back with PTSD, and one doesn't. Mm. And there's a lot that's genetic, and a lot that's also you know environmental to contributing to how well we do in these kind of environments. Boy, I think you and I talked about this last time. Uh, similarly, of like. Is it just luck of the draw if you if you're someone who can see this stuff and just compartmentalize it or not uh, form an attachment to it or whatever? Because I've always been a very for lack I, I know a lot of people are gonna just as when I say that I'm very introverted people don't believe it but I'm actually very tender-hearted and very sensitive and like when especially like when I'm watching videos of people running from the Ukraine with like their dogs and cats in their arms. I've just like start bawling. So, and, and so I recognize that some of that is from childhood. Some of that is from environment, but are there just some people that are just, would be able to watch that and just be like, Oh, no, oh, that's something. Yes. I think so Mexican I, tonight. Yeah. I think <laughs> there, I think there are some people that can watch that and not get caught up with it. 
and I have friends who can do that, who can watch it. I can't do that. Mm -mm. Um, I'm sort of a highly sensitive person as well, which serves me well as a psychiatrist because I can pick up things in the room and pick right. up the sensitivities of my, my patients and clients, but it doesn't necessarily serve me well out in the world. And so I think for those of us that are highly sensitive, and a lot of it probably has to do with genetics, uh, you know, maybe we need to not, not be staring so much at the screens. Maybe mm -hmm. we need to to practice not being quite so aware all the time mm. during these times because it doesn't serve us well, maybe. Especially if there's nothing we can do about it. Right. Well, it's kind of, you know, the same way my, uh, my mom has... I've never known my mom to not be worrying about something. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so especially during, like, hurricane season, for example, you know, that's a big uh, trigger for her. And I remember saying to her one time, like, okay, there's not literally nothing you can do about this hurricane. Mm -hmm. Like, stop worrying about it. Mm -hmm. But then I, I thought I had the same thought in my own mind of like, oh, maybe you should do that mm -hmm. too. Maybe you should stop worrying about shit you have no control over, which is a lot. Um, How does telling yourself that work for you? It has not. <laughs> <laughs> it has not. Yeah. Like, I really work. envy these people that are able to, or that seem able to, not you know attached to these things and obsess over these things mm -hmm. so I, I want to backtrack a little bit about you know you saying how, how your sensitivity your mm -hmm. empathy uh, helps you as a, as a psychiatrist are you is there do you have a way to uh, how do I want to phrase this um, only let so much in like are you able to protect shield yourself mm -hmm. in some way because otherwise, like so, if you were taking on every yeah. patient's stuff, so I don't, I don't take patient stuff with me outside of the room. It, mm. it stays in the room. So, so generally, you know, during during a session, for example, I'm fully with somebody and I absorb oftentimes what they're feeling, what's going on, and the suffering that happens. But then, as they as they leave, I'm able to let go of it. Um, that doesn't mean that when I get off of work I don't need some time to regenerate and recuperate right. so I need some resilience building time of my own which mm. I get when I go home okay but yeah I think and I think the same kind of skills apply probably to living in the world right now is that we need some more space from this stuff for those of us that are sensitive particularly so how do you build resilience what's your do you have like is there a resilience practice yeah well, well so as I mentioned you know I've had to outsource a lot of things to help me maintain mm -hmm. sort of my my ability to do my job well and to be a good husband and to be you know the human that I, the best human I can be and and so I've had to outsource a lot of that so I've hired a personal trainer you know I pay my own therapist I have my own psychiatrist yeah I, as I said I reach out I've made an effort to reach out to friends and actually discuss sort of my own feelings too mm. and so so I've had to lean into some of these things more than I've ever had to do before and in some ways I've had to allow myself to become more vulnerable mm. And uh, don't you think, especially in these times, community is very important, right? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's so easy in this world of, of scrolling through Facebook and Twitter to right. really feel alone in your feelings. Like, everyone is having fun but me. <laughs> exactly. And, and there's something really compassionate relieving to understand that, no, that a lot of people are feeling just like you, mm -hmm. and it's okay. You're not mm -hmm. the crazy one. Mm -hmm. You're not the one that doesn't have the strength or isn't, like, tough enough. Like, lots of people are feeling it. And so community is really important in that way. 
Yeah. And so I've had to practice myself developing more of a community. As a psychiatrist, it tends to be fairly isolating. Mm. So I've had to figure out ways to connect to people outside of the work. Well, I think you and I are probably similar in this way, too, of where and I, I, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have a couple of friends that, that totally understand it. That, again, I'm, I'm very introverted by nature, but I'm, you know, six days a week. <laughs> I'm in, a, you know, in the middle of a lot of people where I'm you know, very on and, you know, and I'm hearing stuff from everyone. And then at the end of that day, I'm just, ugh. Like the idea of going to meet someone else, yeah. <laughs> like outside around other people, is like no fucking way. Um, but I also recognize that that's not healthy for me. So do I just need to get over my shit and <laughs> like, well, yeah, me, I'll meet you for a drink. Well, <laughs> if I may turn the tide on you and ask you a question. Okay. So when you're doing your work, are you being authentically you or are you playing a role? I think it's both. Okay. I think it's um, I think it's a, probably an amplified version, definitely, of who I am. Mm -hmm. And it's been interesting in the last, especially the last year where I've been able to have, you know, people in the room again of where I've gotten the feedback of like, oh my gosh, I really needed that laugh, blah, blah, blah. So then I take on this pressure like, oh, I gotta be extra on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like I gotta be extra funny. Yeah. I gotta be extra blah. Right. And then, yeah. Then when I get home, it's just like, oh, right. Because your work isn't about you, mm -hmm. right? Your work is about the the people that are coming to take your classes, right? And so, so that can be exhausting for you. So, yeah, it sounds like you're pretty exhausted at the end of the day of, of putting out and kind of. But you have the same thing. Because you literally are listening to people shit I do. all day. It's not about me, which is why right. I've had to, which is why I've had to, to make the connections and do the things I've had to do. For you, you know, you just may need more sleep too. I mean, it's on, oh. it sounds like you do need more downtime. Like you're, you, but your body's telling you what you need. Yeah. So listening it's, to it. Uh, <laughs> my body just bitches and moans though. <laughs> we are getting older. God Almighty! I know. I mean. I can remember I'll be 54 in June, which I don't know. I never thought mm -hmm. <laughs> I would see that because I made a lot of poor choices in the 90s. And uh, so the fact that I got this far is amazing to me. So so what do you do to relieve stress? What do you do when Nothing. you're... Nothing. <laughs> I mean, drink, really. Drink and sleep? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I work out occasionally, like I, but I haven't... You know, during the first part of COVID... I was probably in the best shape of my life because mm -hmm. I was like biking the Greenway, you know, five, six days a week and doing like these intense online workouts. And it, I was probably in the best physical shape I've ever been. Mm -hmm. But and I think we might have talked about this on the last episode. Y'all can see, search that out and find it. But there was something about when stuff started to reopen that my anxiety got higher than when we were in like hardcore lockdown. Like I actually have been nostalgic <laughs> for like April, 2020, yeah. when Me nothing too. was open yeah. Yeah. and there were no cars on the road. There were no airplanes flying. There was no I could noise. sit in my front yard and actually yeah. hear birds. Like yeah. I, and I would just come inside and watch Tiger King and check the status of my stimulus check. I miss that. 
and I don't know, there was something about when everything started opening up of where, and and I have shared with you off mic, like all I've got all this other shit going on in my life. And I have talked to a friend of mine uh, in Seattle, one of my closest friends, and because uh, I'm very much a person that when I check in with someone, I just want to know about you, and I'm very good at deflecting, you know, when it comes about asking about me. Mm-hmm. And so she finally was like, what's going on with you? And I was like, oh, you know, she said, no, like, honestly, tell me. And so I'm going through everything, and she's like, God, she's like, how, how are you keeping it together? I was like, I barely am. <laughs> and she's like, you know, have you let yourself cry? And I was like, no, because I feel like I'm afraid that if I do, I won't be able to stop. <laughs> and I think that's still very much the case. I am a full body contraction. And I mean, you know, and the thing is, I think much like you, I know the shit to do, mm-hmm. but it almost feels, and it's weird because I tell people that it's not, it almost feels selfish with everything going around to like, I'm gonna go get a massage or I'm gonna go take a 30 minute shower and sing along to Aretha Franklin songs, which I do sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, um, so yeah, I don't think, I think my self-care is like minimal right now, honestly. Yeah, what's up with that? Why are you, why are you not doing any self-care? You feel guilty about doing I, self-care? I think I do on some weird level. Mm-hmm. You know, I got this family shit going on and it's like, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I was talking to someone else. Uh, she had sent me this job uh, in Seattle, this listing for a job. I was like, ah, you know, I said, it just doesn't seem like a good time to leave with, uh, with my family stuff. And she's like, well, whose life are you living? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, that sounds a little douchey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, all right, good luck. Let me know how it turns out. <laughs> I'm just a six-hour flight away. Yeah, we're, you know, we're really good at comparing ourselves to other suffering. Yes. And then beating the crap out of ourselves like we should be doing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do that all the time. One of my one of my best friends is like super successful and like doesn't seem to struggle at all. I call him Superman, and and he does great. And I struggle during this world of events. Like mm-hmm. it is definitely definitely much harder for me. And I find that I end up you know and I catch myself doing this, beating myself up. Like why can't I do it like he does it? Mm. You know why can't I be more like this person? Mm-hmm. And you know but you have to practice being compassionate because. You're just you. Mm-hmm. We're all doing the. I, I, Tracy, my my wife might disagree with me, but I think most of us are doing the best we can most of the time. I think especially now because none of us have gone, <laughs> none of us have gone through any of this stuff before. No, no it's like it's like you know, um, the way the way I think about it was like before, uh, before the last presidency, and 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 that was sort of the start of all this crazy shit. It was like. You know, like, like the house had four walls, and the floor. I understood where the floor was and where the where the ceiling was, and 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 it, everything made sense. The world seemed like a s- relatively safe, stable, structured place in which to operate. I knew the, the rules, the laws of physics, right. so to speak, of right. the world. And then over the last five years, as these things have happened, it's like the rules of physics have fallen apart, and they're just no longer true. <laughs> And, exactly. and now how do I operate in my life without knowing what the next thing that's going to happen is? Mm-hmm. You know, are we going to get another variant of COVID? Is, you know, what, what's Putin going to do tomorrow? And, and so it, it is, you know, it's, it's a difficult question to say, how does one operate in a healthy way that 
maximizes sort of one's happiness and and ability to live in a world where every day is sort of could be a crapshoot but mm. that's also always been true in certain ways mm-hmm. so but but yeah there's it's it's a difficult time now and i don't know, you know there are a lot of people that have answers and i have my answers you know but even knowing like you said knowing the answers and knowing what to do it still doesn't make it easy right let i want to touch on um before we before we part um you're a mindfulness teacher uh, explain the difference between mindfulness and meditation because I feel like a lot of times people think they're intertwined but they're not the same thing right yeah so so with mindfulness mindfulness doesn't even have to involve meditation mm. you know mindfulness is just paying attention in the present moment on purpose non-judgmentally mm-hmm. you can do that while you're walking through your garden or you can do it um, even while you're you're watching TV you can watch TV mindfully you can eat mindfully um, meditation there are many kinds of meditation so mindfulness can be a form of meditation mm-hmm. but it's not it's not all meditation itself do you feel like uh, mindfulness is um, helpful during this shit storm I feel <laughs> like can like, it be detrimental yeah, so, to be too mindful right, so, so I think I think mindfulness can be helpful and it can be harmful and it depends how it's used I think I think that uh um, a lot of us do a really good job beating ourselves up for not being more mindful per se. You know, I can sit here and say, well, I should be meditating three times a day instead mm. of twice a day. And if I was really good at mindfulness, then I would be able to breeze through this time and not have any problems. And so I think we have to be careful and not um, not expecting too much out of any practice we do mm. um, and simply, you know, leaning on a lot of different things in different ways. And so I think with mindfulness, it's the same. I think uh, mindfulness is helpful in the sense that, that I can be more aware of what's causing my sensitivities and my triggers and choose out of, out of a response instead of reactivity to look away. A, rea- mm. a reactive response or a, rea- a reactivity would cause me to want to watch the news more. Whereas right. a responsive uh, choice, a, a discerning choice would be to, to choose to limit my news watching. And mm. so mindfulness can be helpful. It's not the cure. I don't know that there's a cure to living mm. during times like this. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, let's let's give the folks maybe three steps or three practices or three tips of something they can do to maybe just take care of themselves during this time. I think it's important to acknowledge that we can't change shit. Like... Yeah. about anything that's going on yeah. and um, you know I, I always found it interesting um, I guess it was in 2018 19 although I mean I guess we have them still when we were having so many mass shootings and um, you know so many people would uh, comment on you know social media posts you know thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers where it just became like this trite inactive whatever response but I think that a lot of times people say that because they don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, you can cut yourself some slack that you and I sitting here in Charleston, South Carolina, are gonna do very little to impact geopolitical <laughs> affairs. Mm-hmm. So what can people do just to kind of keep themselves, keep their own stuff together? So. I, I want to say I, I was having this conversation actually with Tracy this morning about 
the five step plan or the ten step plan or three step plan. <laughs> I, I hate the idea that there's three steps to three steps to magical happiness. Um, but but you know, n- number one, I I think during times like this is creating community if you don't have it. Either reaching out to the community you have and leaning in on that, or creating community mm. in ways that you can. I think number two is is uh, is having self compassion and surrendering a little bit to sometimes you're not going to feel well and that mm. normalizing that feeling which also involves community and, and normalizing how you're feeling noticing that others are feeling the same way and that you're not alone i think that's probably the biggest thing and then number three is maybe outsourcing some things so you know if you're having trouble keeping your house clean you know mm. hiring someone to help you do it or oh that's or, a good you know if, if you're really struggling reaching out to a mental health professional um but outsourcing some things you might be struggling with to take some of the stressors out of your life um, because other stressors have now been added. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I'll say a fourth one, which is, which is I think uh, being mindful about what you're paying attention to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, add more uh, dog and cat video accounts to your Instagram wall. Yeah, that really helps a America's lot. America's funniest home videos. <laughs> also, weirdly, kids getting hurt is a fun account to follow. <laughs> well, that's just weird. <laughs> I also watch a lot of pimple popping videos. Find it oddly soothing. Okay. <laughs> and like, how did it get to that point? I want you to be vulnerable, but not that vulnerable. That's a little TMI. <laughs> All right. Well, Dr. Andy, thank you so much. Uh, there's nothing to follow you on or go to, right? Nope, I don't have any social media accounts. That's <laughs> smart. Yeah. Uh, but of course, if you if you live in the South Carolina area, particularly in the Charleston area, and you do want to seek out Dr. Andy, I will of course put his name in show notes. And uh, yeah, I uh, I attest to his skills. All right, so all right, Dr. Andy, thank you. Thank you, Stephen. All right, friends, we'll talk again soon. Hey, dear ones, let's do a little rain meditation. So for this, I do recommend that you find a comfortable, but not totally relaxing shape or posture for this meditation. You could sit in a chair, maybe not legs or ankles crossed. Uh, You could sit on the floor. You could even do this standing. And this meditation is not about trying to ignore or squash down uncomfortable feelings. We're actually going to get in there. And so RAIN stands for the R for recognize, A for allow, I, investigate, N, nurture. So start by finding that comfortable position. And we'll just kind of shake out some of the stuff in the body first. So maybe with your feet, point and flex, Wiggle out the toes, roll around the ankles. If you're seated, you know, maybe kind of wiggle around in your seat. Rock a little bit back and forth. Wiggle out your fingers, shake out your hands. Draw the shoulders up to the ears. And maybe dramatically you let them drop. Do that a couple of times. Turn your head to one side and then the other. 
maybe a couple of times with that. When you find your way back to the center, open the jaw really wide. You might even shift that lower jaw side to side. Raise your eyebrows high up onto your forehead and let them drop down. Take a deep breath, fill up your belly, fill up your chest, let the mouth open. Again, deep breath, belly, ribs, chest, hold, sip in a little bit more breath, open the mouth, exhale. And just sit with this breath. What's it feeling like? If it still feels kind of short and choppy, you might do a couple of those big, deep inhales and long exhales again. What's the feeling in the body? Is there any particular area that feels like it's holding on to some tightness, to some tension? Typically for me, where I kind of have these feelings, sometimes it's in the belly or the sort of the center of the chest. Very often it's in my jaw or that space between my eyebrows. And you're just noticing these. You're not necessarily changing them. It's just this idea of, of sitting with what you're feeling in this moment. And two of the best barometers for your feelings are your breath, and your physical body. So we'll move into the first step, R, recognize. What feeling or feelings are coming up for you right now? You know, could be anxiety, could be anger, grief, sadness. Might be a little hint of joy or excitement there could also just be sort of a dull feeling, like a maybe even boredom or a, ugh, when is this going to be over feeling. So we're just recognizing. We're not judging it. We're not even trying to change it. Just recognize. And then we're going to allow whatever feelings came to mind. We're just going to allow them to be. Again, not trying to fix, not trying to judge. But whatever feeling comes up for you, it could be helpful to say, it's okay. Or, this is an appropriate response. And then we'll go to investigate. So again, what physical feelings come into play with this emotional landscape? You know, are the shoulders hunched or rounded forward? Again, is there a tightness sort of in the, the pit of the stomach? Is there tightness in the face? And then are any beliefs attached to these feelings? Are there, you know, worst case scenarios that you've played out in your mind? I have a friend who 
one time I was uh, sort of complaining about the what if, and he said to me, stop borrowing trouble. So are we borrowing potential trouble from the future? Is there a story attached to these feelings? Maybe a history? And then lastly, we nurture. We offer ourselves the comfort that we need in this moment. Maybe much like you would comfort a friend who was confiding to you. You know, what would you do? What words would you offer them? It's okay. This is an appropriate response. This too will pass. One of my favorite sayings is from uh, Maya Angelou, who says, every storm runs out of rain. And then maybe you offer yourself a comfort of touch. Sometimes I like to just place my hand over my heart, over my physical heart. And again, this could be where a sigh could feel appropriate. Or maybe you just kind of, you know, rub your hand over that heart center. You might even take your hand over one shoulder and just kind of rub or pat yourself on the back. It's okay. This is an appropriate response. Breathe. Breathe in. Breathe out. Inhale and exhale. Again, it's okay. This is, a, this is an appropriate response. exploring what you need in this moment for this feeling. No berating yourself, no judging yourself. Again, maybe not even trying to fix or change, just being with it. Slowly let your attention just shift to that breath. If your hand's on your heart, as you breathe in, feel your chest rise a little bit. And as you breathe out, feel the fall. And you're just gently saying, I breathe in, I breathe out. I breathe in. I breathe out. As those thoughts or feelings start to kind of intrude, it's okay. This is an appropriate response. And then as you're ready, gently opening your eyes, 
You might even reach arms overhead as you take a deep breath in and maybe one more big sigh out as you exhale. You know, these are very unusual times that we are inhabiting and, you know, the whole world is filled with people doing the very best that they can, including yourself. So be proud of how hard you're trying. Go easy on yourself. Have some compassion for yourself and for others. Until next time, peace. Jay Stephen Willard here. If you want to practice with me, there are lots of options available to you. Maybe not lots, but there are a few. There's a YouTube channel, There Once Was a Yogi. I have many practices up on that. Some are short, 10-15 minutes. Some are an hour. Some are vinyasa yoga. Some are yin yoga. Some are meditation. Perfect to fit into your schedule. If you want to take a live class with me, you don't live in the Charleston area, I teach primarily at Holy Cow Yoga Center, Charleston's longest running yoga studio. It might even be the longest running studio in the country. But holycowyoga.com, you can take any of my classes via Zoom. Or if you want to work with me one-on-one with yoga or meditation, shoot me an email. There once was a yogi at Gmail or DM me at, you guessed it, there once was a yogi. Look forward to seeing you on your mat.